Okay, so last week, I introduced these graphics. Uh, I'm just going to tell you this. You know, I was, as I was putting together this kingdom series, it was all kind of centered around what I talked about last week. How there is an old covenant, it's labeled the Old Testament in here, and there's a new covenant, the New Testament. There are covenants that God has made with man over the years. There's actually more than just those two. He made a covenant with Abraham. There was, all, there was other covenants. But the covenant, the old covenant, paved the way to the Father because people need a relationship with God. And the new covenant also paved the way to the Father. However, they could not be more opposite or more different from one another. They lead to the same place, but they are complete opposite. It's like I could walk to this window by turning to my right and taking 10 steps that way, or I could turn to my left and take about 7 million steps that way, and eventually, theoretically, get back to this window, right? So that leads, it leads to the same place, but they go in complete opposite directions. I introduced these graphics last week, and I say this a lot. If you want my notes, text me. I'll send them to you. Never has more than one or two people texted me to say, send me your notes. Last week, I think almost, I think there was seven or eight people that texted and said, please send me those notes, send me those graphics. That was very impactful last week. Something the Holy Spirit showed me is that if I could put together a simple graphic that we could see to go along with what we're hearing, it would open some pathways, right, in our mind for us to see what the difference is. And why is that important? Because of 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with open face beholding, as in a glass, like a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we become changed into the image as we gaze into glory. We have to know what we're looking at. Because there's a lot of people that are looking at their relationship with God. They're looking at their relationship with the Father through the lens of an old covenant, through an old way and they're becoming conformed and changed to that image because you will become what you behold. You will reflect the nature of the world that you are most aware. If you are most aware of what's going on out here in the natural world, you'll reflect that. You'll probably be a little bit of a mess. You'll get scared every time you get a CNN update. You'll get scared every time you hear about the war in Ukraine. You'll freak out when you hear about new variants. If you are more aware of this world than you are of the spiritual world, you will reflect the nature of this world. You know, Adam and Eve, this is a side note. I've been thinking about it a lot. Uh, it's probably going to end up in a series pretty soon. But, you know, Adam and Eve lived in this garden and didn't even realize that they were naked until they had sinned and become more aware of the world around them. I believe they were so aware of who they were in the spirit that they were not even aware of the fact that in the natural, they weren't clothed. Can you imagine being so aware of who you are in the spirit that none of this outside stuff even matters to you anymore? Now, hopefully you won't show up anywhere naked. That's, that's everybody's worst dream, right? When you're at school and you're in your underwear or whatever. You got to be aware of some things. Ooh, sorry about that. We'll, we'll get that fixed up. New system, getting some kinks out, right? We're still working it. Uh, we will reflect what we are most aware of, and we can choose that. You know, there's people that are very aware of every kind of spiritual attack the enemy is throwing at us, 
I would just rather be way more aware of who I am in the Spirit, who I am in Christ. Now, it's good to see things. It's good to come against things you see. But man, I, I can't imagine being so aware of, of what the enemy is doing, of what the demonic forces are doing, how they're coming against me that I'm unaware of who I am in Christ. There is a way. You can have your heart growing hard towards the things of the Lord. You can also have your heart grow hard towards the things that the enemy's throwing at you. So uh, you will reflect what you are most aware of. And as far as our covenants go, as far as the path to the Father, man, Paul wrote in Corinthians that if we look through the lens of the Old Testament, this is powerful. He says that Christ will be of no benefit to us. That's powerful, and, and that's scary, right? I don't want that to happen, and it's all about Jesus. So I want to show these graphics again, and I have a few other scriptures. I'm gonna, I didn't finish everything last week. I think I mentioned that to you guys, so I'm going to go over some more scripture today. But let's go ahead and throw that uh, old, old covenant graphic up here, and we're going to start from here. Uh, just a quick review. Every person, you, me, everybody who's ever lived, there are three parts to us. We are not just what you see, right? There is a part of you that lives forever. Right? We believe that. As a part of us that lives in heaven, it is not this body. This body goes into the ground, but there is a part of us that lives forever. That is called our spirit. There is another internal part of every person called a soul. You can define that as mind, will, emotions, your conscience, uh, who you are, your personality. And this is not just a theory or something that sounds nice. This is from the word, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Paul says, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. So three parts to us. The body you see, the soul is the part on the inside of you, the personality, the part that interacts with each other. That's kind of where our relationships live, right? And then our spirit. Now the reason in the old covenant, again, this is a quick review. If you heard it already, then just Stay with me, track with me for a minute. The reason that spirit is kind of a little bit more transparent here in the Old Covenant because when Adam and Eve sinned, that spirit uh, it, it, it experienced a type of death. That spirit that was alive forever experienced a type of death and the path to the Father in the Old Covenant was paved through our body, our own behavior. So where is our relationships housed? In our soul, our personality. To relate to the Father through the Old Covenant, it was all about sacrifice. If we messed up, we had to go make sacrifices. I say we because we've been grafted in to this family. Obviously, this was the Jewish nation. They made sacrifices. They had to take lambs from their own flock. who had to be examined by the priest. And if you got your body in alignment and you got the sin taken care of, you then had a path to the Father that you could relate to him through. It was all about action. And the reason so many of us default to this way of thinking is because this is also the way the world works. If you perform well at your job, hopefully you'll get raises and promotions. If you don't perform well at your job, you will get fired, laid off, or demoted, right? If you perform well in school, you get praised. You get to go to the different classes, whatever, if you don't perform well. So our entire world around us is based on this performance mindset. So then we have this covenant that God says, I have to have a way to relate to you, but your sin is, 
is just destroying our relationship. Let me show you how to take care of this. Let me give you the rules. Let me tell you how to live holy, which it was impossible, right, for any person besides Jesus to do. And because you can't do it, I'm going to give you a way through your own actions that we can still have a relationship. That's the old covenant. All through you. Your actions. Are you doing well? Have you done what's right? But then, Jesus, thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Let's show the new covenant one. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to us. He reversed the line completely. He died for us. He rose from the dead. And our spirit was then reborn. The Bible all through says the old things have passed away. All things are created in you. Your body wasn't created in you when you got saved. You still looked the same. Your mind wasn't new once you got saved. You still had the same thoughts, the same personality, right? Your spirit came alive when you said yes to Jesus, whether you thought it or not, whether you felt it or not. The Holy Spirit now dwells in you. And look at this line. It starts in your soul. And now through your born-again spirit, you have a path to the Father to relate to Him. And this is good news. Look. Keep following the arrow. All that behavior stuff, all that stuff you tried to get right on your own and failed. Man, as you look to Jesus, as you relate to the Father through your born-again spirit, your body, your behavior even comes into alignment. It becomes a byproduct of your relationship. So here in the New Covenant, I said it this way last week. I'm going to say it again. Your good works don't save you. They did in the Old Covenant. In the new covenant, your good works don't save you. The completed and finished good work of Jesus saves you. But let's follow this thought all the way to the other end. If your good works don't save you in the new covenant, your bad works don't unsave you. Listen, if one's true, the other has to be true. Look at this. Your bad works, your mess-ups, your failures... They have nothing to do with your relationship with God in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. Now, all that stuff, it's good to have good behavior, right? It's going to be better for you if you don't go out and do illegal stuff and get arrested. You'll have a much better life, right? You'll have a much better life if you don't give in to, to lustful thoughts, if you don't give in to, to, to hatred, if you don't give in to all these things. You'll have a much better life, and the path in your life will become much easier because still, this is true, sin leads to death. Right. However, the old covenant, which was all about our sin and our good behavior, which Paul says also ended in death, is passed away. Now we have a new covenant. We have a new covenant that bypasses our behavior altogether. It goes through our spirit. And this is powerful because in Hebrews, Paul says that as we look to Jesus, we even lay aside all those things that easily beset us. So many people are afraid if we tell people that their relationship with God isn't hindered by their mistakes, they'll just go out and do everything they want to. But that's really not true. Because when you know how much you are loved, when you know how much the Father just wants you, that stuff, it doesn't even cross your mind. When, when the Father is what's on your mind, when your relationship with Him is unblocked uh, and you understand that, Man, you want to serve him. You want to be with him. It's powerful, powerful stuff. And if we can get that through our, our heads, it changes our entire life. This changed my entire life. Changed my entire life. I'm going to read you uh, Romans 8. And actually, it's not on my notes. So I'm going to use a good old-fashioned Bible today. Do you have Bibles? Anybody has an actual physical Bible here? Let me see your hand. Let me see. Who has an actual Bible? One, two, three, pe four people. 
so are people. Everybody has one on their phone, I know. But I like my paper Bible. It's got all my notes in it. Like, this Bible is marked up. I got arrows. I got notes. But I was reading this week in Romans 8, 11. And I want to read this, and then I'm going to jump into some new stuff, uh, all based around this that, that we're going to go forward with today. But Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Listen to this. Paul is talking about the glory of the new covenant. It's even labeled that in my Bible. And it says this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So you're born again spirit. It's wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as He raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal body by this same Spirit living within you. So let's go back to that New Covenant graphic. Look, and I want to show you this while, while reading this verse. Romans 8, 11, show, go back to that New Covenant graphic. You ready? Just as he raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by this same spirit living within you. So look at the arrows. How does your mortal body get life? And we're going to talk about what that word life means. Through your spirit. So as you relate to the Lord, through your spirit, keep following that line. Even your mortal body lines up and has life. In the King James, that word life is the word quicken, a good old-fashioned word. And when you look that up in the Greek it's a compound word. The first part of it uh, basically just, it, it's, it's spelled Z-O-O, so I guess zoo, but it just, uh, it, it's, it's, it says that basically your mortal body, a living, breathing thing, physical thing. And the second part of that word means to bring into agreement or alignment. So listen to what this verse says. Because of your born-again spirit that's living within you, because of that spirit and through that spirit in you, your physical body will become in agreement with that spirit. So all of that life on the inside of you, you don't get it activated by getting the behavior right. The behavior becomes right by getting that spirit on the inside of you activated. Right? It lines up with who you are in Christ. Instead of going around looking for the bad stuff to do, you're going to be going around like Jesus, looking for people to minister to. Instead of being addicted to things in the natural, man, when you get your mind renewed to what you have on the inside, your body becomes in alignment with the freedom in your spirit and the chains of addiction fall off. It's powerful. Why do we get it so backwards? Why are we so obsessed with people's behavior? And I'm including you, yourself, me, myself in that. Why are we so quick to judge others and even judge ourselves? Why are we so quick to look in the mirror when we mess up and say, you rotten thing, right? Man, let's just look to Jesus. Right. Romans 12, chapter 2 says, as we renew our mind to the word, we will become transformed so the transformation doesn't happen on the outside first. It happens on the inside first. And as we become more aware of it, Paul wrote this over and over again. All the natural stuff comes into alignment. So the things you've been struggling with, we all have stuff. The things you've been struggling with, man, remind yourself how loved you are. And even say out loud, even say out loud this week, whatever that thing is, let's just say it's addiction. Let's say you're feeling the temptation. Out loud, say, addiction, you are not stopping me from having a relationship with God. Yeah. 
Talk to it like you're looking at it, like you can see him as a thing. Addiction, I may be struggling with you right now in my body, but there's nothing in my spirit that's addicted to you. Amen. Begin to declare the word. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes I'm healed. Declare the word to say, in my spirit I'm not addicted, and you have, and I am loved by the Father. Say these things out loud, and I believe you're going to see more freedom in your life than ever. Remember this. I know it's so simple, but the path to the Father for you and I as New Covenant believers no longer has to do with our behavior. It's through our spirit, and it's because of Jesus, and that's good. So, okay, today I want to pick up right here. Uh, I want to read Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 2 through 9 because... It's a powerful passage, and, and really, it, uh, it really kind of is another scripture that talks about this path to the Father. And, and really, the main thing that I want us to get from this is, is Paul's going to talk about mixing the Old Covenant with the New Covenant, mixing the law with grace. Uh, here's a good example of this. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have coffee in here. What if your coffee was 99% coffee, but we just dropped a little, little poison in there, and it was 1% poison, 99% coffee. I mean, none of us in our right mind would drink that, right? We would say, well, I don't want any of it anymore. If it's 1% poison, I don't want any poison in my body. You put it out. There's a danger in mixing even just a little bit of poison with 99% of something good. Well, there's a danger in mixing the law with grace and Paul's talking about it here to the church in Galatia. Starts here in verse, chapter 5, verse 9. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, circumcision was a huge deal to the old covenant believer. They had to, on the eighth day after they were born, be circumcised. Otherwise, they were not able to participate in these rituals and sacrifices that made them right with God. So eight days into your life, behavior begins to pave the way for you to have a path to the Lord. This was a Jewish custom that was a make or break for some people. And even as Jesus came and lived and died, there was all kinds of arguments with New Testament Christians who thought that people should still be circumcised uh, to have a relationship with God. But Paul is sitting here saying this. I'm telling you, if you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. So let's take circumcision. It's about behavior. It's about our actions. So you can take that word out of there, really, and fill in the blank with any of your own actions. He's talking about circumcision, but really he's talking about your behavior, your action. If you count on your good work to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Jesus will be of no benefit to you. Imagine what Jesus did, the price he paid for you. He took not only the beating, not only the blood, not only the, the torture that he took on the cross, every disease, every sickness he carried in his physical body. You can beat somebody pretty bad. And they're still going to have the appearance of two arms, two legs, a head, and a torso. But Jesus went beyond a beating so much that the Bible says you couldn't even tell that he was a man hanging on the cross. 
Every image you've ever seen of the Savior on the cross does not do justice for what he actually appeared on that cross. And that's the physical side of it. We're not even talking about the spiritual side of being on the cross, which was being disconnected from the Father. Everything he did for us. And Paul is saying, if you base things on your own good behavior, you're taking all of that and you're saying, no, thank you, Jesus. No, thank you. I can do it. I can do it. Like when my kids were little, especially Judah, my do it myself. Always wanted to do everything himself. Some reason he replaced his eyes with the word my. He wouldn't say I can do it. He'd say my can do it myself. No, Judah, you cannot drive the car down to Paul Paul's house yourself. You're not old enough. You can't even reach the pedal. I'll, I'll drive you down to Paul Paul's house. No, I'm going to do it myself. Sometimes you just got to say, no, it's okay. I'm going to do it, right? We're telling Jesus that when we say, I'm going to do this on my own. And not only are we going to, people try to earn it on their own. If we mix the law with grace and we say, well, now I've messed up. Now I've messed up so bad, there's no going back. It's like saying, Jesus, everything you did for me, no, thank you. Your blood is not enough for this mistake. Can you imagine telling him that? Can you imagine looking your Savior in the eyes and saying, your blood isn't enough? We do it every time. Every time our bad behavior leads to condemnation and guilt. And we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, now I can't go back. There's no going back. That mistake was too far. Sorry, Jesus. Not enough. But thank God Paul is writing these words to us and says, if you're counting on circumcision, if you're counting on your behavior to make you right with God, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Then he says this, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Every regulation is a lot. Thousands. Thousands. That includes behavioral Behavioral stuff, it also includes ceremonial stuff. I mean, like, you were considered unclean if you had a mole on your body. You had to go get them all cut off. So if you got a mole on your body in this moment right now, you have not fulfilled the entire law of Moses. That's pretty crazy, right? Most of us broke it just by waking up this morning and fixing breakfast and driving here. That was also against the law of Moses. So what he's saying here is you can't do it. You can't do it, and if you think you might can, you'd have to obey everyone. If you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Why do so many preachers still stand in the pulpit and scream this stuff, this hellfire and brimstone stuff, and tell people they're going to hell and their behavior is so bad? When it says it right here, Paul says, stop doing that. Stop, because grace is so much more powerful. And if you try to mix that law with the grace, you are falling away and being cut off. Man, if you're trying to make yourself right with God by being a good person, you've been cut off from his grace. If you're trying to make yourself right by resisting the urge to gossip, to overeat, fill in the blank. If you think I can resist this and I'll be good, that that puts me in good standing. It's cutting you off from experiencing the grace of God. Again, these are all good things. 
it's good, it's good to do all this. It's good to, to not overeat. It's good to, to not get in. It's good to, to not be filled with hatred. I mean, these are good, good things. But they become a byproduct of your relationship with God when you understand those good things do not give you right standing and the bad things don't take you out of your position. So Paul mentioned favor here, and this is important. I want to stop on this for a second here. He said, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every, every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Let me tell you how this comes out a lot of times in our life. That person, this is a thought we probably all had, that person is a mess up. That person gets drunk every weekend. That person does this, that. How are they still so blessed. Why does it seem like they are blessed and I'm not and I have all this good behavior? Why did this person get healed and I'm over here still dealing with sickness? Even though I go to church on Sundays, they haven't been to church in 20 years. All of a sudden, this have we all can we all relate to this thought? We've all had these thoughts. We've all had these thoughts. But favor with God has nothing to do with behavior. And if we walk around thinking that we've earned our healing, chances are you're not going to experience that healing that you didn't earn, but Jesus did. When you walk around saying, I don't understand why am I dealing with this sickness? I do my Bible. I read my Bible. I go to church. I do this. I do that. I do this. That might be the very thing that's stopping that healing from operating in your life. That healing is a gift from Jesus. So many people think they earn favor through their behavior, even though we don't word it that way. We just have these thoughts. Well, I do all this right, and things are still messed up. That person does everything wrong, and things are going good. I don't know. I'm not, I can't speak to these exact situations, but I know if you get a revelation on how your favor with God is completely on your part, unearned, also cannot be thrown out because of your behavior, you'll begin to walk in more favor than you could ever imagine. I have a friend that had Amazon Prime, and he thought that it was just the shows and stuff, like just the streaming part. He had no idea that it also could, like, gave free shipping. So he, he just didn't use Amazon that much because he's like, man, shipping is so expensive. And I said, don't you have Amazon Prime? It's all free. He's like, what? He didn't even realize the full benefits of this whatever service, Amazon. I know some people don't like Amazon. They, they avoid it. But I'm just telling the story here. This guy was not using all the benefits of something he was paying for, right? He had paid for it, but he wasn't using it. Jesus paid the price for your favor. He paid the price to put you in good standing with God. But when we take that law and mix it with the grace in the New Testament, we are not using the full benefits. Maybe we got our ticket punched and we'll be in heaven forever. Thank you, Jesus. We'll be with him. And that's awesome. But listen, there are benefits down here on this side of eternity that we can be walking in if we just understand every price that has been paid by Jesus. I mean, if somebody paid your house off, but you kept making payments, I mean, you can, it, it's the similar thing. It would make no sense. I'm sure the mortgage company would be more than happy to have your payments, right? I, I don't know. But if somebody pays your house off, enjoy the freedom of having your house paid off. Jesus paid a price for you. And he gave you favor and he put you in right standing with God. Don't let 
the influence of this world tell you that your behavior earned it or your behavior unearned it. Remind yourself as often as possible that my position with the Father has nothing to do with the works of my own flesh, but it has to do with the completed work of Jesus. I was having a conversation this week with uh, Rob, and we've talked about this a few times. This is pretty crazy. If you want to talk about behavior, in the New Testament, as Jesus was walking around, there was a group of people that were probably closer than every other group of people when it came to the right behavior of the Old Testament. Okay, I'm going to say that again. There was a group of people in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and this certain group of people were probably the closest ones to fulfilling the law in their own lives. Do you know what they were called? The Pharisees. The Pharisees. These guys lived by the letter of the law in such tight regiment, they tied it to their forehead and walked around with a magnifying glass so they could just read it all day because your word is ever before me. These guys followed the letter of the law to the best they could. And you and I all know Jesus called them out more than anybody else. He called them out more than anybody else. And they were kind of the closest as far as the behavior goes. Who did he not spend time calling out? Well, he ate with the sinners. He ate, with the, he, he ate at the tax collectors, the thieves' houses. He, I, I don't know if he pursued them as much as they just pursued him because of the love that he exuded. But when they pursued him, he just said, come to me. Let's have some food. If we don't have a picture of it not being about our behavior better than that one, I don't know if there's a better one. Let's get back to our text here. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. So in the New Covenant, we don't get our righteousness by being circumcised, our own behavior. Our righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus. We get it through faith, and now we are righteous because of Jesus. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Now he's starting to sound like the words of Jesus. Jesus, what's the most important law? They were hoping he was going to say, you know, don't murder, don't commit adultery. But he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you've done this, you have fulfilled all the law. Does that even make a little more sense now that we're reading the words of Paul too? Jesus was walking around telling everybody, you want to know the most important law? It's love. And if you do that, you'll obey all the rest. You'll fulfill all the rest of them. And Paul is, in a way, reiterating that here. He says, when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit of being circumcised or no benefit in behavior. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You are running the race so well. Who has led you? Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. We're not called to be bound by a set of rules. We're called to be free in Jesus. And as we experience that freedom, everything else lines up. Paul says this next. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Like that little bit of poison. Put it in your coffee. It spreads through all of it. You don't want that. You want full, 100% what you want in that cup. 
You wouldn't drink it if it had anything else. One time a bird pooped in my coffee in Nicaragua, and it was after a long day on the mission field. We're on a beach, and we had only day I've ever had a break on a mission trip, but somehow my mother-in-law says, let's take a break. Little resort, they cooked us dinner. It was awesome. I was sitting on the coast in front of the water, and I was drinking a cup of coffee, and this bird pooped, and it went into the coffee. And right before that poop went into the coffee, I thought to myself, this is the best coffee I've ever had in my life, and this is the most relaxing moment I've ever had in my life. And when that poop went into the coffee, you know what? I thought, it's just twigs and berries, and I drank it. Every sip of that coffee. I'm not joking. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm not joking. Tasted great. Tastes like coffee. That bird wasn't going to ruin my moment. There was a bunch of people around, including Lisa. So I don't remember this part, but I'm pretty sure I was just trying to be like, you dare me to drink it, and I still drank it. I didn't get sick. I mean, whatever. Just twigs and berries. <laughs> this, this false teaching. <laughs> Y'all aren't going to get back now. We better just end it. This false teaching. This false teaching that our actions have anything to do with our relationship with God. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm going to read one more passage. That's the end of the Galatians passage. One more passage here. It's much shorter, but I want to close with this. So, Romans 5, 15 through 16. This is awesome. There is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. Listen to this. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Man, that's powerful. Put that on a note card and keep it in your pocket. Make a note on your phone. Write it on your hand. Remember this. Romans 5, verse 16. Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. You were a sinner when you said yes to Jesus. And in your sin, he said yes to you. And he resurrected your spirit with the Holy Spirit. And now once that happens in our flesh, we're still going to fall to sin sometimes. We're still going to have bad thoughts, right? We're still going to, th- even if we don't act on stuff. Jesus said, if you've, if you've been lustful, you're guilty of adultery. If you've hated your brother, you're guilty of murder. He wasn't condemning when he said that. What his point was is that we're all guilty of the worst stuff. Yet, Even though we are guilty of many sins, we are made right with God. That is good news. That is good, good news. Remember that in your moments of weakness in your flesh. And then remember that in our weakness, he is strong and there's a part of you that will rise up. But as we look to the Father through who we are in Jesus and not our own behavior, we will see even the behavior line up more and more with who we are in the Spirit.
So remember these things from today. I'm inviting the band to come on up as we close. But remember this from today. You're made right with God through Jesus, not any of our own behavior. You find favor with God, not through your own actions, but through the action of Jesus. This also means you cannot lose favor with God through your own actions. Isn't that good? Right? Sometimes we say the one part and we don't say the other end of it. We can't gain favor through our actions and we can't lose favor through our actions. When we try to mix the law with grace, meaning when we try to tell someone or even ourselves that we still have to behave to find favor or right standing with God, then we make Christ as no benefit to us in our lives. We say, no thank you, Jesus. But because this new covenant, because our relationship flows through our born-again spirit to the Father and has nothing to do with our flesh, the second you say yes to Jesus, the second you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you are standing in right standing with God from that moment on. And that's good news. Remember that, and it will set you free. It'll set you free in your mind, and it will set you free in your body. It'll set you free from addiction. It will set you free from, from, from uh, name it, fill in the blank, whatever it is, whatever the vice is, whatever the things you struggle with, this is what sets you free. I talk about this all the time. I've already mentioned it once today, but Romans 12, 2 says, if you do not, renew your mind to all the things we're talking about today, then you will conform and think like the world. The world is all about performance. So if you don't remind yourself that it's about Jesus, it's about his performance, we're made right with God through him, we will conform to the world and we'll think our behavior gets us there or loses us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. It's not about us. It is about Jesus and you just want to be with us. And you're not waiting on us to get something right. You're not waiting on us to, to get the work of our flesh right to move in our lives. You're moving right now. You're not waiting on us to, to make the right choice to, to give us forgiveness. You've forgiven us right now. You're not waiting on us. You're not, this is a word for some of you. God is not waiting for you to get right before he can use you. Man, God wants to use you right now. If God had to pick from perfect people, he couldn't use anybody. It would have been Jesus and that's it. God is not waiting on you to use you. Man, he's saying right now, let me use you. Say yes to me. Even today, I believe you're going to have opportunities to say yes to God. Let him use you. No matter what the morning was like. No matter what the afternoon is like. No matter what happened last night or the day before. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, that you just want us. We're so grateful. Amen. Let's respond to the Lord with some worship. Let's all stand together for a few moments as we close. And let's worship together.